We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets playoff preview against the Boston Celtics. How are we feeling, Jack? Boston fans want Brooklyn. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, especially when you consider the records of these teams. Nets 48 and 24, Celtics 36 and 36, and just scraped their way into the playoffs with a play and win yesterday. But before we jump into it, as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. Now, Jack, looking back at the season series, obviously we can only only take so much because the first matchup didn't include most of the Nets that are on the roster. The other two matchups didn't necessarily involve all the Nets superstars, but the Nets still went 3-0 and in those matchups. And that's all that matters at the end of the day, Nick. You know, I yeah. think that there's a confidence within the Brook- this Brooklyn Nets team. You know, there's no fear that w- of what the Boston Celtics hold. You know, J- Jason Tatum was great the other night in the in the play-in games, you know, scoring 50 points. But outside of him, you know, cardiac Kemba has had a bit of cardiac arrest this season for, for most of it, you know. Uh, but he's, you know, getting some form together. So if you can limit those two guys, because their depth is, is absolutely deplorable. And yeah, these sort of three-game matchups, you know, a five-point win, a 12-point win, and a 28-point win. You know, 3-0 in the season series, you know, they're going in with a heap of confidence to the Brooklyn Nets. And, and whether it was Boston, whether it was Washington, you know it was going to be that way either way. Yeah, definitely. A lot of confidence in the series, like you said, Jack. And even the five-point game, I think the Nets kind of allowed Boston to get back into it. And, you know, we saw a couple of Nets players play really well this season against them. Kyrie had the one bad game, but I think in the other two matchups, he's, you know, averaging close to 30 points, 50 from the field, 50 from three. So just really cooking. There's just a lot of things to be, you know, positive about in terms of this matchup. And we're going to jump to that. And obviously, important to note, Jalen Brown is injured and he will not be playing in the series. Which is obviously... You know, a bit disappointing because it would have been a much more fun series, much more competitive if you had, you know, this, their second best, if not best player, given the form that he's had this season and one of the most improved players in the NBA. But, you know, it certainly makes things easier for the Brooklyn Nets and their wings and their defense. Yeah, 100%. You could argue that maybe it would have been beneficial for the Nets to Jalen Brown to play just because it's kind of like another test, another thing for them to prep for further, further or deeper into the postseason. But anything else about the season series you want to touch on, Jack? No, nah, nothing really, Nick. I think, you you know, this all, all the sort of season matchups, whether it was against Brooklyn, whether it was against Boston, whoever else it was, you can only take them with a grain of salt because the, the team and, and so many other teams have been in flux with COVID absences, even injury absences and the like. 
Yeah, 100%. And obviously the Nets, we don't even know what they're going to look like in their first postseason game, really, because, you know, superstars are going to be healthy. It looks like Joe Harris is going to be healthy, pretty much a fully healthy squad other than Spencer Dinwiddie. And that alone should be something that's uh, pretty fun to watch. But moving on to, to some of the strengths and weaknesses, Jack, what are some of the strengths for the Nets in the series? I mean, look, it's just offense, Nick. And yep. you know, if we're looking at the regular season, you know, there's probably that. Uh, I'll probably have to bring these up again on our, our season review pod. But they had an all-time true shooting season at 61%. Yep. Their first in post-up efficiency, second in ISS scoring, second in spot-up offense and handoffs, fourth in transition offense, fourth, first in field goal percentage, third in three-point percentage, and also sneakily. Fifth in defensive rebounding, you know, uh, mm. a total rebounding that they're somewhere around the, the middle mark. And when we get to weaknesses, their offensive glass isn't necessarily a, a strength at all. But our offense is just a truly insane thing. Yeah, I mean, against anybody in the league, the offense is just insane, like you said. And a lot of that is due to the Nets' talent gap in the series. You know, they're just a substantially more talented team than the Boston Celtics. I think you also look at a lot of the experience. You mentioned that Boston doesn't really have much depth. The players they do have in that bench haven't really played a ton of NBA minutes, haven't necessarily played many postseason minutes. So that's another advantage going to Brooklyn side. And I also think you look at another strength is the versatility in which the Nets have. You know, the capability of playing so many different lineups, so many different combinations where Brad Stevens is really limited by his roster. Dude, is Brad Stevens already conceding defeat? We'll get to <laughs> the quote from that Keith Smith reported on. I was just like, dude, are you already like waving the white flag? It was pretty shocking. We'll do our best to get ready for Brooklyn. They're the best of the best. As a fan of the NBA, it's hard to see those guys losing. We're going to have to play great and play great together. Dude, like... Get your team up, man. Like, what the hell are you doing? No wonder everyone's giving you shit for the way you've coached this season. Yeah, I mean, definitely not striking uh, confidence into his team with that quote right there. Obviously, what he's saying is realistic, but typically as a leader of a team, you don't want to showcase defeat before the series even starts. Yeah, look, it's a... Uh... I'm not. I'm going to focus on the Brooklyn Nets side of thing for the most on this podcast because I don't want to get the Celtics Labs dudes all angry. <laughs> yeah, there we go, Jack. I guess in terms of strengths, Jack, if we broke it down by positional group, you know, you know, guards, ball handlers, wings, and then bigs, would you say the Nets have the edge in every category? Yes, and um, there probably would. Have been, there's a part of me where you can make an argument like, is Tristan Thompson a better backup big? Or a better, one of the best overall bigs in the series? Maybe. You know, he had a nice little double-double. And we know he has at least some postseason experience. Not to say that Blake Griffin doesn't, but, you know, there are question marks around his defense. And Nicholas Claxton, obviously, is a rookie heading into his first postseason as well. So maybe in that big position. But also, Robert Williams is injured and playing on yep. one foot, it seems. So I think that sort of evens the battle out a little bit. So if anything, and look, Jason Tatum isn't as good as Kevin Durant. Kemba Walker isn't as good as Kyrie Irving, so it's all null and void. And and the bench is is pretty poor too in comparison to the Brooklyn Nets, who have you know given themselves and consolidated themselves with a, a nice little bit of depth coming off the the pine. Yeah, I think you could have made an argument for the front court if they had kept maybe Daniel Tice, or you know, instead of giving him away for nothing. But like you said, Tristan Thompson has moments, but there's definitely deficiencies in his game. And Robert Williams being injured doesn't look like he'll be 100% for this Nets matchup. So I agree, Jack. I think the Nets have the edge in every positional category, which is not something you typically say in a playoff series, especially because the other team is here for a reason. Like I mentioned, they did win a playing game, but still high expectations for Boston going to the season. But Jack, flipping it around... What are the weaknesses for the Nets going to the series? It doesn't necessarily have to be specifically against Boston, but just kind of in general for their first postseason together. 
Well, I mean, it's the defense, Nick. You know, yep. it, it's to, to be totally objective. The Nets haven't been yep. a, a good defensive team this season because they've finished 22nd in defensive rating. Yep. And, and that's an area, obviously, we, we know they can lock in and the postseason could be a different sort of uh, a kettle of fish altogether. I'm certainly somewhat confident of that. And then as well, on the offensive glass, you know, they don't necessarily like... Maybe it's part of the fact that they just hit so many goddamn shots that they don't have any yeah. offensive boards to actually get. But they're, they're 27th in that department too. So... Uh, the weaknesses pale in comparison to to those strengths. Yeah, and I think defensively, like you kind of mentioned, Jack, we've seen stretches of solid defense. It's consistently doing it. And you've seen some articles recently, you know, kind of previewing the series, talking about how the Nets just have a lot of mental lapses. And it's the hope is that you go into the postseason, you can have a higher level of engagement from possession to possession. And like you said, offensive rebounding-wise, not necessarily a ton of great offensive rebounders on this team. You pretty much look at Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin doesn't really have the juice anymore. And to be honest, I'm okay with that, considering I think transition defense is more important when it comes to the postseason. And just looking at some of my weaknesses I had, Jack. I would was, say Bruce Brown as well as a good offensive rebound. Yeah, very I think true. That's, and especially with like James Harden. Uh, I just think that in the depending on what he's rolling, depending on what Steve Nash is asking of him, there's been nights this season where he's led the team in rebounding, let alone yep. offensive rebounding. He has a great knack for any ball that kind of is going to hit the floor. Like that's Bruce Brown's. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he does a great job of kind of attacking the ball at the highest point, which is obviously something super important for rebounding. But I guess another weakness, you know, obviously something that's going to be touched on a lot is the lack of chemistry the big three has. The overall team getting a ton of minutes together. We talked about it on the last show. You know, what was it, 28 different players and 38 different lineups or something along those lines. And obviously you you aren't going to have the same gel that other teams are going to have in the postseason. Obviously you mentioned it. Boston's had a lot of COVID issues this season. But still, um, any other weaknesses for you, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I'll just piggyback off that, Nick. Eight games, 202 minutes. I think it's a net rating of, of seven, six and a half, seven, when all those three are together. You know, I think it's about 112 defense, 119, 118 and a bit offense. You know, you take with that what you will, because I think that statistically this season, you, you look at what statistics you can apply and sort of, you know, to the bigger picture and the broader picture of things. But I think, you know, continuity and chemistry is, is one of the questions that I'll probably have when we get to that section too. Yeah, and I'd just say probably coaching experience. You know, obviously Brad Stevens has coached the Celtics a couple times in the playoffs. Steve Nash has never coached as a player. I, as a coach, he's been there as a player. And then also, I think there's obviously a lot more pressure on the Nets to win than more so the Celtics. You know, a lot of people are expecting the Celtics to get swept, lose in five, whatever it might be, where the pressure is on this Nets team to be dominant. Definitely, and you know that's individually as well. You know, Kyrie Irving going up yep. against his his former team in you know a, a more, much more meaningful series uh, than the matchups that we saw in the regular season. You know, Kevin Durant coming back for his per, first postseason since Golden State, James Harden, and all the sort of qu questions on him and can he perform in the postseason? What is he going to do? You know, he's had plenty of question marks since Houston uh, because of you know maybe some failings uh, in that department. So yep. I think it goes uh, across the board. You know. The games start to matter. The pressure starts to ramp up, Nick, and, and the games matter more. Every minute matters more. Every possession matters more. And I'm pretty sure our guys are going to be pretty switched on and, and, and probably relish this opportunity. You know, we've seen uh, some pretty quotes that certainly evidence that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Jack, do you have more confidence in the Nets' big three dealing with adversity given, you know, their off-the-court relationship? Yeah, I mean, we heard Kyrie literally say we wanted to have adversity. I can't remember after which game that was, but it's just like it's sort of been, you know, plain sailing for, for most of it. You know, they've had their yep. injuries and stuff, but they've still just been so so brilliant when the team's just been playing winning basketball and the offense has just been out of this world. I think that, you know, friendship and, and something a bit deeper than basketball certainly does help with, you know, an innate sense to, you know, communicate honestly and forthright with your guys about things that are happening on both ends of the floor. Whereas, you know, if this was sort of, a, you know, the hodgepodge of, of, of just superstars that's coming out of nowhere, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, guys that don't necessarily have the, the embedded friendship and the embedded past, be it, you know, Olympic gold medals or all-star games, all these Team USA stuff. You know, it's a different sort of dynamic. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play better, but it means that they can at least forthright, be forthright and communicate in a much more honest fashion. Yeah, and maybe hold each other a little bit more accountable because, like you said, it's a little easier to communicate if someone's not living up to the expectation in which the team or, you know, that big three has for each other. But, Jack, moving on from there, what are some key matchups you're looking at in this series? Look, Nick, it's probably just looking at the stars. You know, yep. it's KD and Jeff Green taking on Jason Tatum, and it's Kemba V. Kyrie in the in the backcourt. You know, I would assume yep. both of those guys would be taking each other at certain points. You know, Marcus Smart's probably gonna, you know, he's gonna have the. I, I don't know who he's gonna take. He's got three guys that he can he can capably defend. You know, he's a, he's almost better at guarding up a position than he is guarding down a position. So you know, I'll probably be more comfortable if I was a Celtics fan of him guarding James Harden than I would with Kyrie yep. Irving. And we sort of saw that actually in the regular season matchups because Kyrie was, despite the fact he was showing an immense amount of strength that was outpowering Marcus Smart. And that's saying something from one of the strongest and best defenders isolation one-on-one in the league. So I think it just comes down to those stars, Nick. And I think we saw... You know, I can't remember. It was a Boston Celtics writer or fan on Twitter sort of say, who's going to guard Tatum? And we saw our guy, Matt Brooks, saw out a clip of, of Nicholas Classic guarding on the perimeter and forcing an air ball out of him. Clark's obviously get those opportunities as well when he's out isolated on the perimeter. He loves that. But I expect it to be much more consistent with, you know, Jeff Green. Kevin Durant, I think, is going to improve and, and want to show uh, himself in, in the postseason as well on the defensive side of the floor. So I'm pretty confident. It's not to say that we have, you know, a, a, a Mikhail Bridges or an OG Ananobi, but I'm pretty comfortable with the wing defense and the options that we do have. Yeah, and I think Kevin Durant has kind of turned up the defense at the end of the season, and that gives you a little bit more promise. And obviously, it's a star matchup. You know, if he's matched up with Tatum and he has to defend him, he's going to do his best to make his life miserable. And to be honest, Kevin Durant could do that because it's not like Tatum is a guy that necessarily lives in the paint. Obviously, shot a lot of free throws in that game, but he will settle for some of those jumpers, and that's where you really see Kevin Durant's length come into play. You know, you're fading away. You're used to having that slight advantage on somebody. With Kevin Durant, you really just don't have it. And obviously, you know, Jeff Green's 
done a solid job this year. And then, like you mentioned, Nick Claxton. I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, he's going to get switched on to a couple possessions. I wouldn't be completely opposed to putting Nick Claxton on Jason Tatum for a couple possessions either, just because I think he's that talented of a defender. And I think, well, you know, this is obviously my mindset. You know this pretty well, Jack, is that I think just mixing it up defensively is one of the best things you can do in the NBA. No doubt, no doubt. Welcome to Clark City, Jason. The population <laughs> is growing and growing. I don't know if you want to be a part of it, my friend. Yeah, it's based off the amount of air balls, you know, Nick Claxton's forced this season, oh. which is pretty high. But, uh, Jack, you kind of mentioned what you think the Nets are going to do in terms of defending Kemba. You think it's going to be a large dose of Kyrie Irving? You think we get some Bruce Brown on there, too? Yeah, look, you've got Bruce Brown as the option. We'll get to the starting sort of lineups, whether he starts. I think if, if he does, I think he's the perfect matchup to, to hand a Kemba Walker. He's the perfect guard defender. I like him more on those sort of guys than on the likes of Michael Porter Jr. You know, like we, like we sort of saw against Denver, I think it suits his, his abilities a little bit more, his size a little bit more. And I think as well, Nick, the, the Celtics, you get to the line a lot, including Jason Tatum the other night against Washington, but they play a much more drop-heavy scheme like the Brooklyn Nets of old under Kenny Atkinson. Whereas yep. this switching style of scheme now, you're sort of just forcing and forcing and forcing. And, you know, I don't necessarily know how the Boston are going to hunt the, the mismatch because, you know, if you, you've got a decent amount of defensive intensity. We've seen Kyrie Irving really switch it on this season. You know, James Harden is obviously the switching scheme is made for him. And Kevin Durant, Jeff Green is his sort of front court combination in, in that respect too. And Blake Griffin hasn't been you know horrible on that end of floor either. So I think that the switching scheme is going to bode well for how the Nets guard Boston individually and as a whole also yeah especially considering some of the lineups they put out there there's guys that you're not necessarily forced to defend at the perimeter allowing you to help a little bit more but i also want to get to the point you mentioned about Kyrie being locked in it felt like he was even more locked in defensively in these matchups against boston and even specifically when he got isolated on a jason tatum one thing that Kyrie does obviously he's very undersized but he does a great job of kind of making the ball handler uncomfortable with some of the pressure he can put on their their ball handling He's got really nice hands. He's got really, really yeah. nice hands, and he's shown that this season. You know, we've been recapping a lot, of, a lot of if not all the games, and it's you know you've seen a steal here, two steals there, you know, a block here. Um, he's just had a level of intensity. Then you know, even when the in the absence of some of the stars, you know, we've sort of probably seen it more. So if he can maintain that with when Kevin Durant does come back in, you know, then I think it's going to absolutely do the world of good for the Brooklyn Nets defense. One hundred percent. Now, Jack, you kind of mentioned how you figured Boston's going to defend the Nets. You think it's going to be Kemba on Kyrie, Marcus Smart on James Harden, and Jason Tatum on Kevin Durant? Yeah, look, I guess so. You know, maybe yeah. you throw an Evan Fournier somewhere and you try and hide Kemba on Bruce Brown. Uh, I think that yeah. that's probably what they should do. And, you know, Bad Stevens is much smarter than I am. Um, but in, in saying that, I think you hide Kemba as much as you can. Whereas, you know, the Nets don't necessarily have to do that with Kyrie Irving uh, like they might have had to at, at earlier points this season. So I think that the Nets uh, are in a better spot somewhat, not defensively overall, because I think the schemes uh, that Boston have is sort of similar to what you get from the Lakers, you know, just a great sort of team defense. They're really locked in yep. on that end of the floor. But you know, without Tyson, uh, Williams not necessarily at his best either. I think the Nets are going to be okay uh, and, and good enough to, to get have a lot of success in this series. Yeah, and if it is Bruce Brown, you know, getting defended by Kemba Walker, you mentioned the offensive rebounding. Look at that for a spot for him to exploit. You know, we saw Russell Westbrook do that a little bit in the playing game. Bruce Brown's not the same exact player, but he brings some of that physical grit. And Kemba's just not the biggest guy on the floor out there. So it could be an opportunity for Bruce Brown to have some big moments and have some big stretches for the Nets. 
Yeah, I think the nut, the Nets can certainly hunt them the mismatch as much as they want. Yep. And I think that's something you do much more in the postseason. James Harden's really, really good at doing it. And you know, you got Kemba Walker out there on the floor. You've got a walking mismatch. Now, the Nets pick and roll defense hasn't necessarily been great this season. Um, and, you know, them guarding the, the slipping screen, obviously, you know, Unless Williams has a, a miracle rebirth, I'm not necessarily as worried about that. But you know, if you're doing some some one three one four pick and roll with Jason Tatum and he, he decides to slip and, and and dart to the rim, that's where the Nets have had trouble you know, against teams like Atlanta, Washington, and the like. Yep, and that's where you really have to be mentally engaged. You have to communicate that right away because, like you said, the slip is so fast, and obviously Jason Tatum is a good athlete and can finish inside. So something to keep an eye on for the Nets to kind of correct that issue defensively. Jack, what are your thoughts on the kind of the big matchup? You know, like, do you think Blake Griffin could have some big games in this series? Do you think Tristan Thompson's going to go off, Nick Claxton? What are you expecting from the front courts? I think we'll get moments from all those guys, Nick. You know, whether it's a, a big Blake Griffin dunk, massive flax isolation point on Kemba or Jason Tatum, you know, Tristan Thompson putting up a double-double. I think we're going to see better moments from Tristan Thompson. You know, you could make a, a credible argument that he might be the best big in this series. You know, he has, he's, with Robert Williams out, the the burden on him is going to be much greater. How is he physically? How is he healthy? Um, look, that's a, a point where you can exploit and sort of just go, look, we're just fitter than this guy. We're more athletic than this guy. We, we want more than this guy. Um, because some of the times you can certainly make the argument that Tristan Thompson doesn't necessarily have the motivation for basketball as much as other people, uh, given his uh, extra <laughs> Or other things in his life. <laughs> yeah. So, look, in all honesty, Nick, I think that all of these guys will have their moments. Uh, and I think that, I, I think it'll probably, it's a position that I think is going to have the least impact overall in the series, uh, given that the Nets play a switching style of defense. So they don't really care, you know, if Blake Griffin gets caught out somewhere, you know, it's just you switch it on to James Harden or KD or whatever. Whereas, you know, I, I think it matters a bit more for the Celtics given they like a little bit more pick and roll. The Nets can obviously run plenty of pick and roll with, you know, 1-3, 1-4, 1, three, one, four, one two, uh, in, in a lot more respects than they have this season. And that's something that's a, a massive weapon for them too. So I, I, the bigs is not something that I'm, I don't think is going to swing the series one way or another. Yeah, I think you're right in the, the aspect of the Celtics need Tristan Thompson to win this matchup for them that really have a chance just because he can, you know, be dominant on the boards. But I'm not really sure, you know, he's going to really have a giant impact in the series. Just consider he's limited. He's not the same player he once was, like you mentioned. You know, we've seen him really motivated in the past. He doesn't seem like that guy. You know, Blake Griffin, I think, will have a couple games where maybe he pops off, knocks down a couple threes. You know, maybe you get some big moments there. It'll be interesting to see the type of impact Claxton has offensively specifically with James Harden being back and also some of that chemistry we've seen him develop with Kevin Durant the last few games I mean he's already been great in, in Harden's return you know he got his first career double double you know he's yep. always posting near double doubles you know in 25 minutes or so and you know if those minutes continue to tick up a little bit then I'm sure he's going to continue to have a, an absolutely massive impact yeah, and obviously you kind of hinted at the bench before, Jack. You know, Celtics not very strong in that area. Nets, on the other hand, have some real pieces they can bring off the bench that can have an impact. You know, a guy like Landry Shamit might drop 20 in a playoff series just off hot shooting. Absolutely. he's. I think the, the rotation is where, you know, the Nets have some different things up their sleeve, and whereas, you know, the, the cards that are Brad Stevens' sleeves are, are pretty empty. Now, Jack, talking about the rotation, who do you anticipate being the starters for game one? Look, we hear, we hear that Joe Harris is healthy now, Nick. So does he start? Does he not start? I'll put that to you. Um, You know, based off of kind of how Steve Nash has been in the past, 
uh, it's really tough for me not knowing like the medical for Joe Harris if he's like fully 100% or maybe he's like 90% or whatever it might be. If he's 100%, I think he's going to start because I think this is the lineup that Steve Nash has gone with in the past. And I also think like against Boston, it'll be harder to kind of exploit Joe Harris not being that defensive-minded player. You know what I mean? Where maybe they might need Bruce Brown later down the line. But I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Nash goes Joe Harris to start and just has that pure splash offense and really just makes Boston lost. Because, I mean, if you're throwing Kyrie, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin out there, the floor is spaced. Playmaking is, you know, by a large sum. You got, you know, ball handlers. You got guys that can create their own shot. You got guys that can finish. It's pretty much an unstoppable lineup. Yeah, I mean, we did see Joe say that Bruce would beat him in a one-on-one, and you know he's focused on his construction workout. No, and that was a really fun video by the Brooklyn Nets team. It was it was uh, bloody wholesome content. But I think balance-wise, Bruce makes the most sense, Nick. We've we've sort of seen that of late. And if Joe isn't even, it, it, he's not at a hundred percent, bring him off the bench. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And he has done that at points this season uh, earlier on when we you know were acclimating him. Uh, to different sort of positions, and you know, it was like six man of the year, Joe, at certain points. I think you have you've got a different sort of way of going about it. I, you know, if we're envisioning what Steve Nash is going to do, I'm probably with you. I think he he likes you know having the all out offense and trying to to kill a team in that way. But you know, if if Kemba starts going off and, and Joe can't handle his sort of you know lateral quickness and, and his ability to create his own shot, or, or or he gets caught out defensively, or he's not hitting that three ball, then you do have you know you got Landry, you got um, you've got Jeff, you've got Bruce, you've got guys that have all started for this team this season because, you know, basically everyone on the roster has started yeah. this team this season. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think Bruce Brown definitely provides you more balance. And I was kind of basing it maybe more so off Steve Nash. I think part of me, it's it's kind of tough, though, because I do think it Joe, like, I would throw him on Marcus Smart, and I'm not really concerned, you know, about that. Or even Evan Fournier, I think Joe Harris can handle that. It's if Boston starts trying to, you know, attack him and put him in switches, maybe there's something to his exploit there. But... You know, it's really tough to say because we don't know where Joe's at. And obviously, you know, we hope that he's 100% and he can have, you know, a really, really good postseason and kind of build off of what we've seen from him this year. But talking about the bench unit, just hypothetically, we think Joe Harris is going to be a starter. Who's coming off the bench and actually getting minutes in this game? It'll be Shamit, Claxton, Jeff, and, and Bruce, definitely. There, there's your nine-man yep. rotation. And I'll throw to you, Nick, a question I was sort of debating a little bit. Do you think Mike James or Tyler Johnson is more likely to sort of, you know, get some spot minutes here or there if, you know, the, the Nets have a, an injury or they're looking to just throw a different sort of body out there for the sake of it? Yeah, I knew Mike James was going to get brought up somehow on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I think it depends on what the Nets are looking for. If Steve Nash is looking for a spark of scoring and ball handling and maybe a little playmaking, you know, he might go with Mike James. But that seems somewhat unlikely considering, you know, he should have his three stars. They should be fully healthy, ready to take a full minute load. And I just kind of view Tyler Johnson as a better complement to a Kyrie James Harden and Kevin Durant. But obviously Steve Nash has liked the way Mike James has played. And there's might be an opportunity for him to get some spark minutes. And to some extent, I understand why he likes playing Mike James with the stars because Mike James is a pretty good one-on-one player. And in the opportunity where he's literally going one-on-one because the rest of the team is focusing on the other stars on the floor, it allows Mike James to kind of play to his strength. But it's like, do you want to depend on Mike James' efficiency in the postseason? I personally don't. Maybe Steve Nash does. Yeah, I'll go with Tyler Johnson, Nick, because I, I, what he's done alongside James Harden this season, 
I think that he's a, a really nice compliment off the bench, a guy who can just sort of, like you said, be a role player, you know, hit a mid-range and elbow jumper every now and then, you know, hit a three ball relatively consistently, show some energy defensively. You know, take and an I think elbow. That, yeah, take an elbow. I, I think that he I would prefer Tyler Johnson. I yep. understand why some people would, would argue Mike James and look, Chris Chioza seems healthy now if we're going by the Kevin Nash <laughs> that he posted too. So there's plenty of, you know, small guards that can't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily solidified in this rotation to choose from, which is a good thing. But uh, I would prefer Tyler Johnson just because of his, his flexibility, his experience uh, in that respect compared to a Mike James. Yeah, and obviously we kind of mentioned this before on previous shows where Kyrie and James Harden are healthy and Joe Harris and Landry Shamit are healthy. There's definitely limited minutes out there to be had at the guard spot, especially if Bruce Brown gets any guard minutes at all. Typically he's kind of playing you know, at a higher position, but still. Anything else in the rotation stuff, Jack? Look, I think the bench is a spot, Nick, where, uh, like you alluded to earlier, the Nets could probably exploit the, the Boston Celtics because, yep. look, who they have come off the, the bench in the, in the playing game. You know, Aaron Neesmith, Kev, Peyton Pritchard, Semi Ojale. You know, yep. Look, it's no, no slight to those guys. You've got some rookies in there. You've got some guys who can't necessarily provide a level of expertise offensively. And uh, I, I just think that's where, an area where the Nets can be like, look, We've got experience coming off the bench. We've got guys who know their roles. And, you know, that's been due to uh, this regular season and guys sort of being given those opportunities. Whereas the inconsistency of the Celtics is like, you know, Brad Stevens loves these guys. He's going to play them like crazy. But we're really now starting to see, you know, some positives from, from Aaron e. Smith And, you know, Payne Pritchard started the season well, but he certainly tapered off. And semi Ojale, you know, he gives you a yeah. little bit here or there, but not necessarily anything crazy. And, you know, Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson as you sort of, you know, bigs, you know, uh, providing those 48 minutes, you know, that, that's sort of not, they might be their best place to come off the bench because, you know, Evan 48 is now starting for them. So uh, obviously the injuries do suck for them and uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, Nick. But I think that the strengths do lie with the Brooklyn Nets and the starters, the depth and the bench. Yeah, and it feels like this is a series for Boston where, hey, Marcus Smart gets in foul trouble. That's tough because he's one of your better players, and now you have to rely on an inexperienced player to pick up a lot of those minutes. Same thing for Kemba, Jason Tatum, even Evan Fournier and Tristan Thompson, depending on the health of Robert Williams. But, Jack, what are some X factors in this series for you? You Give me one for the Nets, one for the Celtics. Uh, one, 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 one. I'm going to go Bruce Brown, Nick, just because okay. I, I'm, I'm sure you'll go with one of the other guys. And it, it pains me not to go Clack City, but uh, I've got to go BB, uh, B2, uh, because of what he's done of late. And I think that, you know, he, I think this series suits him a little bit more compared to, you know, a, a series like against the Milwaukee Bucks with Philadelphia 76ers, where his lack of height, not necessarily lack of size, because that dude is girthy and thick as hell. But, you know, you give him a Marcus Smart, a, a Kemba Walker to play with, you know, he's going to have an impact on the floor. Whereas you know, his offensive rebounding, you know, his hustle probably gets nullified a little bit due to the size and strength of Milwaukee and Philadelphia going forward. So I think this is a series where Bruce Brand's skill set um, and his individual capabilities could be used really, really well. Um, but we could also have, you know, you could pick a two, three other guys um, and out of the roster that could certainly provide you a, a bit of a spa. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, you look at Milwaukee and the way they play defense, the same thing for Philadelphia. You could see why it'd be tough for Bruce Brown to have impact in, this, in that series, in those possible series, and why he could kind of excel, you know, especially if he's matched up against a Kemba Walker or something like that. I actually didn't go with a player. I just went with execution. You know, we know the Nets are clearly more talented than the Celtics. 
They have all the advantage in the series, and all they really have to do is go out there and execute at a high level, and they should win the series in a short amount of games. It's really that simple, and I'm not trying to simplify things or disrespect the Celtics. It's just the Nets are that much better than Boston, and obviously Boston's missing their second-best player or first-best player, depending on who you ask, and they've just had a really, really rough season. You know, with COVID, with chemistry, whatever it is, things have looked really, really rough for Boston. Yeah, it's two seven series ultimately, Nick. You know, if we're looking at the Boston Celtics as what they are, they are the seventh seed. And when do you ever see one eight two seven series be totally competitive? You know, we might see obviously in the Western Conference, given what Golden State and the Los Angeles Lakers are doing. But ultimately, I think that this is going to probably reflect of what you normally see in the first round with those higher seeds. You know, a, a four five game, maybe a, a slight six game if, if Jason Tatum really does lift this game to another level. Yep. And on Boston, any X factor for them that you think they could allow them to make this series more competitive? Uh, you alluded to it earlier, Nick. I think the coaching. I think coaching matters yeah. a lot in the postseason. I think Brad Steven has shown the ability to you know, change and, and, and make adjustments quite quickly. And will Steve Nash have the uh, the capabilities to respond, to be proactive and, and not necessarily be on the back foot in that respect? I think coaching matters much, much more than this when you see, you know, the likes of Eric Spolstra, Greg Popovich really earn their keep. And, and Brad Stevens has done a, a really good job of, of really elevating his team. So we'll have to wait and see how it does pan out. It's not going to be the be-all and end-all because ultimately I think talent is going to overweigh and, and overbear everything. Uh, but Brad Stevens could have a big impact. Yeah, I agree. I think coaching is an area where Boston fans could, you know, talk themselves into having, you know, a solid advantage just considering Steve Nash is an experience. But again, Steve Nash has some great minds on his bench and Mike D'Antoni, M.A. Adoka, Jock Vaughn, obviously all those names. But uh, I just went with three point shooting. I think, you know, that's kind of something that can always change a series, especially for the lesser team that can kind of allow them to get back into it. But Jack, get to it. What's your prediction for this one? Uh, I'll go Nets in five, Nick. Uh, I think that Jason Tatum's good enough to, to get a game out of uh, the, the get a game off the Brooklyn Nets, but ultimately the Nets are going to be too good, and I'm I'm hoping for a sweep, and you know I, hopefully the extra rest is going to going to help, but uh, it seems rare. I don't think Brad Stevens, I don't think Jason Tatum, I don't think Kemba Walker are going to let the the Brooklyn Nets walk all over him. You know they haven't lost to them yet uh, this season. But I think that they might be able to get one, whether it's uh, at the TD Garden. You know, they, they might have the, the the rapturous fans there. You know, now that the fans are getting let back in. You know, shout out to all the Nets fans who are lucky enough to be at Barclays Center for Game One and Game Two. Uh, but I, I think that you know, just to show a level of respect to to our Celtics Lab guys and not have you know, Cam, Justin, and Alex all up in my mentions, I'll give them one game. Yeah, they can come to my mentions. I have the Nets in four here. Get the brooms out. I think there's just like, you know, watching the playing game yesterday and just seeing the way Boston's played this season, there's really no reason for the Nets not to win this in four. Yeah, Jason Tatum's a great player, but Kemba Walker's, you know, kind of a shell of himself. Marcus Smart's been very inconsistent. Evan Fournier hasn't necessarily fit in perfectly. Some of that's due to injuries and COVID. But the Nets have are a great team and they have a lot of talent. I think if the Nets do lose a game, it's probably more so self-inflicted than anything Boston does and yeah that's happened to a lot to the Brooklyn Nets this season missing shots not playing good enough defense and executing and being engaged and then in the floor so you know, the Nets if they are engaged and they are that we've just talked about all their strengths that have that we have listed and we could go on for days and days and days about in terms of their rotation in terms of their talent uh, ultimately they're just going to you know, hit their shots and, and make sure that uh, make it tough enough for the Boston Celtics not to hit theirs Jack final question who is the biggest series for the Nets you know who's the best player in the series for Brooklyn uh, you know what? Give me Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think that he's going to have a, a big, a, a big, big matchup against his, his former team. Um, so I'll go uh, Kai. 
give me Kevin Durant. I think this is kind of like, hey, you know, I'm back. I'm the best player in the NBA. Let you know real quick what's up. Jason Tatum, yeah, he's good. I'm going to shut him down defensively, and I'm going to put up some big numbers. So I think KD is going to really pop off in the series. But Kyrie's a great pick. Obviously, we know there's some emotion there between the Boston Celtic fans, Kyrie Irving, that whole organization, all that. But, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And you catch the buzz on all stream platforms. That's level. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.